0: And beard and played play guitar. Jeremy Black, he discipled me uh, for about a year. We met every week for a year, most of a year, and uh, after that we met pretty regularly. and uh, And then he went off to seminary. And he was uh, kind of a Jesus freak, you know. Been out there, did his thing, uh, got saved, going back to school, really got excited, uh, felt called God to be a pastor, and. He left on to the seminary. But one of the things he said to me uh, very early in our uh, mentoring discipleship relationship stuck with me. And uh, at the time, it was new and fresh to me. You have probably heard it and know it already from the time you were a little kid. But but it hit me so strongly that that it has stuck with me and has really shaped much of what I did. And, And this is just it. It said this. Mercy is not getting what you deserve mercy is not getting what you deserve. grace is getting what you don't deserve that that so I heard that I was just like, oh my goodness that's me because I knew what was on my inside on the outside I was pretty clean. On the inside, I was full of anger and bitterness and resentments and judgmentalness and yuck and ugly. And I knew that if I had to stand before God and I got what I deserved, I was going to be in big, big trouble. I was really thankful for that definition of mercy it's not getting what I deserve. And I was very thankful for grace giving me what I do not deserve. And those two terms just kind of roll together with me and and they set me up. And and mercy lets me see grace and grace lets me experience mercy and it takes me back to grace and it takes me to mercy and it takes me back to grace and takes me to mercy. And they, they just roll around and roll around and they just continually to drive my life because in them... There is life and hope and newness and forgiveness and really freedom. It really just set me off. I couldn't I couldn't go back away from it. I didn't want to go back away from that. Amen. <laughs> because anybody who's really honest with themselves knows that there is yuck inside and there was is and probably will be. Plenty of need for mercy and grace. And it sets us free. Sets the people around you free. You know that we've been in this series on the Beatitudes. And uh, today we are uh, in the one that says in Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful For they will receive mercy. You know, I've come to this conclusion that that when I read through the Beatitudes. uh, Maybe you don't do this, but I I do this and I've done this. I read through the Beatitudes and I say, oh, those are really nice. That's it. That's really sweet. If I ever needed something like that, that'd be good. You know. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Oh, that's nice. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Oh, that's good. The Beatitudes are those things that are really sweet to read about and to hear and really irritating to put into practice. I mean, maybe not. I mean, I mean well, they're irritating. But also liberating to put into practice. I want us to think about this idea of mercy today. And then I want to tell you a story about me if we have time. And because this is the last service, we're going to have time. So, game doesn't start until 3.30, right? So, (laughs) I've got time. Kind of. So what's the big deal about mercy? Why? It's important. You see, we're merciful because God has shown us mercy, right? The Bible says that God is merciful. It's all through the scriptures. Everywhere you look, there are literally hundreds of passages that talk about The mercy of God. His love for us. His compassion that never fails and never quits. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says, God's mercy is so abundant and His love is so great to us that while we were spiritually dead in our disobedience... See, that's a rough spot to be. I don't know. Can you be disobedient and not be dead? I don't know. But it says... They're spiritual. They were spiritually dead because of their disobedience. They said, "In the middle of that, because of God's great mercy and His great love, He brought us to life in Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved." Amen. It's a great passage. You maybe know the the parable of of. Uh, The unmerciful servant. It's in Luke or Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. um, It it is this passage and and the yeah, it's up there. But the background behind this passage, that's up there, is the story of this unmerciful servant. And so what happens is this this master has, you know, he's taking his books, he's going through his books and he realizes, ah I got this guy and he owes me all this money. He owes me a lot of money. A bank load. A truckload. I don't know. He owes a lot of money. And he, and he calls him in and he says, let's make accounts. And the, and the servant says to him, oh, master, if you would just be patient with me, if you would give me a chance, I will pay you back. I don't know how, but I'm going to work on it and I'm going to pay you back and it's all going to be good. And the master says to him and hear this, folks, this is what he does to us. The master says, you know what? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I feel like I should be in a gangster movie. Don't worry about it. The debt is cleared. It's forgiven. It's gone. It's away. Don't worry about it. The guy's excited. Oh, thank you, master. And he runs outside. And he goes down. And he's walking down the road. And he comes across a friend of his, a neighbor. And he comes to the sky. And he says, hey, you owe me this money. A pittance. I like that word. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. English word. You owe me this little pittance of money. But but he grabs this guy by the neck and he begins to shake him and choke him and say, you are going to pay me back or I'm going to throw you in jail until you do. And so he throws him in jail. And the master hears about it, calls this guy in and says, how in the world can you do that? I forgave you this huge debt. Wiped it off the books. Said you didn't even have to worry about paying it back. And here your neighbor owes you just this little thing. And you can't forgive them that way. And you throw them in jail. Well, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw you in jail. And you can sit there and rot until you pay it back. And that's where we get to this verse. <laughs> when he says... Shouldn't you have mercy on others, just as I had mercy on you? There is something about that, that, that we're merciful because God has shown us mercy. God says, if I have shown you mercy, yes, and he has, right? Well, let's just get this clear. I only heard about five amens in that. Anybody here not need God's mercy? Good. Anybody here not receive God's mercy? I need to talk to you if you raise your hand because you can. You can have your debt made clean. Right? We have all received God's mercy. So he says, God says, I expect you to show mercy to others. We do that because we've already been the recipients of mercy. I forgot to tell you something earlier, I want to tell you. Do you know the day in which Jesus lived was really an odd day? In Jesus' day, the rule of thumb was tell me, you can It was charades here for just a second. An eye, for an eye? An eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. I don't want to ever praise with you because I'm not any good at it. An eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth was the day in which Jesus lived. And they had this thing. Okay, so you did something to me. I do something to you, right? You kill my cow. I kill your cow. You, you know, punch me. I punch you. You break my arm. I break your arm. Do you know why they had an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? Why? I see head and Why do we have eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth? To make it even. even. Exactly. It's just. It's fair. Because the opposite of that is, you kill my cow. I go and kill your whole herd. You, your wife, your children, take everything that you are. A little overkill. Justice said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, punch for a punch, whatever. And it was actually a pretty good system. It was actually a novel system. (laughs) But, you know, Jesus came and said, "Eh, maybe not. Jesus came and said some ridiculous things. He does that all the time. He says, tell you what, if someone slaps you on the cheek, give him the other one. If someone takes your tunic, give him your cloak too. Hmm. That's kind of odd, isn't it? But, you see, that's kind of like what mercy is. Mercy says, I deserve to take your cow. I deserve to punch you back. I deserve to retaliate. I deserve to whatever, because you did this to me, so I do this to you. Hopefully, (laughs) only in an equal share. And Jesus says, you know, there's something more. There's mercy. Mercy says, when you slap me, I'm going to give you the other side. Mercy is saying, I'm not going to retaliate. Mercy says, I'm going to just walk off and say, you know what? Do what you want to do. How about that? We don't have any eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth people around anymore, do we? That's, that day and age is gone, right? Yeah. No, it's gone. We've gone back to the old style. <laughs> We've gone to the tooth, the whole family. <laughs> Jesus says, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Grace is going beyond. See, because that's the funny thing. Because he says, it's not just mercy that we're concerned with here, it's also grace. Mercy says, I'm not going to retaliate. Grace says, I'm going to embrace. I'm going to embrace the one who has done me wrong. Isn't that odd? I didn't really get that. Then I got to thinking about Jesus and. and I heard these really weird words. It's, it, we're moving into the Lenten season, so this kind of fits. But I thought about Jesus in his crucifixion. And I heard these words that just, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I've read these a million times, but I'm still thinking, this is the most bizarre thing to say. Jesus says these words. Father. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? They don't know what they're doing? I mean, they've been plotting and scheming to do this for how long? They've bribed people to lie. They've they've done all these things. They've gotten everybody they could find together to say, oh yeah, (laughs) They even got one of Jesus' disciples to betray him. Although I think they had a little help with that when he went actually to them. And I'm thinking, they don't know what they're doing. I mean, they've just beaten this man to a pulp. He's watched all this happen. And they didn't really get it, honestly, because... Most of us look in this moment of what's going on. And Jesus is saying they don't understand what's happening. What's really happening here. Something much bigger, much better, much grander. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. These are the people who just crucified him. Mercy. Mercy mercy is saying it's okay i'm not going to retaliate grace says father forgive them for they know not what they do even though i think they do yeah that that's this big shift of heartbeat and mind this is that stuff that jesus calls to us this is when this is when these Crazy Beatitudes just go, are you serious? But we have mercy because He has shown us mercy already. We also have mercy because He commands it, He commands it, He, he expects it of us. A passage of scripture, and I think in Micah, I think that's what it is. Let me get up here and look. Yeah, Micah 8, 6 8. It says that He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? So essentially, Micah, the prophet, is is speaking this voice for God. And he's saying, what is it that God really wants of us? What does it mean to be godly? What does it mean to live in relationship with God? What is he all about in this context? And he says just three things. Just act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Act justly, do the best you can. Treat people fairly. Do that. I mean, they're into that. Love mercy. I love this. Doesn't say, think about mercy. Doesn't say, be best friends with mercy. Doesn't say, wave at him as he go by. Love mercy. And walk humbly with your God. We'll preach on that another day. That there's something about that. God, God is saying that, that if you really want to know what it is to live, this is what I'm telling you. Love mercy. Love mercy. You know, mercy is so important that it was more important to Jesus than even all the stuff that we did. Hosea 6, 6 says, I don't want your sacrifices. I want you to be merciful. And if you follow the teachings of Jesus and you walk through the stories that he read, what you find there is that on two occasions, Jesus was in this big conversation with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and and the teachers of the law. And they're in this big thing. And the teachers and the Pharisees and Sadducees are doing all this stuff. And they're saying, well, and Jesus sums up all of their debate and says just this. Quotes that verse. I don't want your sacrifices. I want you to be merciful. Saying, I don't don't care how many prayers you pray. I don't care how many songs you sing. I don't care how much you do. I don't doesn't all that stuff doesn't make any difference. But are you merciful? We are merciful because God simply tells us that's what it is to live and walk with him. We're also merciful because we're all going to need mercy in the future. You see, there is a day, and I just share this, just to make sure we're all on the same page. You all understand that there is a day coming when we are all going to stand before God. Yeah. It's called the judgment. We are all going to stand for, before God and we're going to have to give an accounting to God. And one of the things he's going to ask us about is mercy. Believe it or not. James two thirteen. So you must show mercy to others or God will not show mercy to you when he judges you. You hear that? The mercy that we receive is tied into the mercy that we give. But the person who shows mercy can stand without fear at the judgment. Amen. This is good news, folks. This is a wonderful thing because we don't have to be afraid of whatever comes. We don't have to be afraid of the end. We don't have to be afraid of standing in front of him because we are the recipients of mercy. Because we have given mercy. We've received mercy. We live in this mercy. We keep going back and forth in this stuff. And we stand before God as merciful people, as people desperately in need of mercy and grace. We say it's just Jesus. And we need not fear. We're going to need it one day. The other thing we understand about mercy is that we're going to need mercy now. You see, you see, we live in this moment, and, 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 and not only do we need mercy on the judgment day, but I'm guessing that we're going to need mercy tomorrow. Or maybe the next day, or maybe someday down there. And there is a relationship between the mercy given and the mercy we receive. Do you know what the most oppressive life is? The most oppressive life is a life without mercy. And this is real simple. When we say, when we say to somebody, no, no mercy. We are saying, well, then I don't need mercy, right? That's how that works. If I'm not willing to give mercy, then it's saying essentially I don't need mercy right do you know why that's so oppressive? Because that person has to be perfect right you you don't want to go there because that ain't you you get it it ain't me either but you don't want to go there It's oppressive to live like that because, Every single single thing that you say, everything that you do has to be, oh, I've I've got to be perfect. I can't say the wrong thing. I can't do the wrong thing. I can't make a mistake. I can't do any of this stuff because because I don't give mercy. (laughs) I shouldn't expect mercy. So so I've got to have it all together all the time. That's depressing. I mean, excuse me, I don't mean to belittle your ability, but that's horribly depressing for me because I know I ain't got it. I know that. Yeah. We need mercy. And if you don't need it today, you do. But if you think you don't need it today, you're going to need it tomorrow or the next day or the next day. That day is coming. Because there ain't a single one of us that'd be perfect. Perfect. But living in mercy is absolutely liberating, right? It sets us free. And that's the last thing. We're merciful because it feels good. This is the good news, folks. We are merciful because it feels good to be merciful. If you're not merciful, let me tell you, it eats at your soul. It eats at your gut. It eats at your stomach. It eats at your lifestyle. It eats at your relationships. It's when we harbor bitterness and anger and unforgiveness and all those kinds of things. It just eats at us from the inside. But being people of mercy sets us free. It's liberating. It's free. Mercy is load lifting, life lightening, hopeful life that says I am a person who needs mercy and I give mercy. Because you know what Jesus said? Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. You know, the word blessed is literally translated happy. Happy. I haven't liked this word, blessed, up to this point. I usually say, this is translated happy, fulfilled, complete, whole. Because <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like it. Happy are those who mourn. Trust me. I ain't happy, but I am comforted and I am complete in him. But I'm telling you here, I'm happy. There's just something good with this, right? Happy are those who are merciful. Is are feeling inside? Well, ask yourself, am I holding something? Am I harboring something? Is there something I need to let go of? Is there some forgiveness I need to say? Yeah. God, forgive them. Happy, Jesus says. Are the merciful. And when I read that and I'm reading this and I'm writing this sermon, I felt happy. Almost this happy. I'm telling you, if you want to be happy, live a life of forgiveness. Live a life of mercy. Amen? Amen. Blessed, happy are the merciful. For they shall be shown mercy. Now my story. You know, I... I, uh, i started walking a while back i uh i met with ron Benefil. i don't know if you know ron Benefil or not but he's uh was faculty at point loma and uh he lost his wife recently and uh his wife had exactly the same cancer as my wife uh her to new positive breast cancer and uh, she was about a year and a half ahead of, of, uh, of my wife. And she passed, and Norma was, you know, progressing along and getting pretty close. And, and I met with him, and I said, uh, Ron, how do you handle this? What do you do? And he said, I walk. I walked a lot. And, uh, and I went, ah, I hate exercise. Laughter. <laughs> Walking's a lot like exercise, not like running, thank goodness, but it's a lot like that. So I, I kind of, in this new year, I just said, OK, I need to kind of get myself out there. And so I started walking. So I walk every morning. Uh, I get up before the sun is up and I walk uh, anywhere from a mile to three miles or so. And and while I'm walking, I, I listen to the word of God. I've got my phone and it's clicking my counts, step counts, and and uh, and I listen to scripture on my phone and and uh, several weeks ago, probably now almost three weeks ago, I was listening to Matthew chapter 18, the passage that had this one about the unforgiving steward. And and, I, and I've and I never really, you know, I kind of read passages. Usually when I read scriptures devotionally, I, I usually take a paragraph at a time and then I just really try to reflect on that. Uh, but this is kind of nice when I'm just listening to it because you hear the whole flow of it. And chapter 18 is this kind of amazing story flow. And it starts out with this idea that says that says uh, Jesus gathers, gathers the children together. And and he says to them, unless you become like a child, you you have no part of the kingdom and and you're never going to get it. You're never going to understand it. And and it says this, this you need to become like a child. And then he goes on and he says, and you know what? If you cause a little one, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble and fall into sin, then it's worse for you than if you had a millstone tied around your neck and you were cast in the depths of the sea. I'm thinking, okay, well, pretty strong. And then he goes on and he says, he says uh, you know, there was this, this shepherd and, and, he, and he had a flock. And, and he said he had, had us all flock, a hundred sheep, and one of them was lost. And he, and he went out and he searched for that flock. He, he left the 99, went to go get the one, and he drew them all back. And he came back and they rejoiced. And he says this, because God is not willing that anyone should be lost. Okay, that's good. I know that story. And then he says this story. He says, in the same way, if someone sins against you, go to that person and talk to them about it. And if that person repents, seeks your forgiveness, then you've won a brother. If that person doesn't repent, we'll take two or three people with you so that all things, because any of this stuff needs to be verified and testimony witnesses take two or three with you and go and talk to that brother. And if they repent, then you've won a brother. And if that doesn't work, then bring it before the whole church. Bring it up. Talk about it. Bring it before the whole church. And if that person repents and seeks forgiveness, you've won a brother. And then he said this words. Then he says, and if that person will not repent... Then treat them like foreigners and tax collectors. I mean, basically the scum of the earth in their circle understanding. And right after that, Peter says, well, how many times am I supposed to forgive? And Jesus says, seven times 70. And then he goes on and he tells the story of this un. Forgiving steward. Well, I'm about halfway through this story of the unforgiving steward. And I stop. I mean, I literally stop. I don't stop because I'm really trying to kind of clank or crank around my walking. I literally stopped in the middle of the road. I walked down the middle of the road. Nobody's out at that hour. And I stopped in the middle of the road. And I went. What did I just hear? And I went back and listened to that chapter from the beginning again. And I went, how could I never have heard this or seen this before? And I listened to his words about if someone sins against you, go to them. And if they repent and if they ask forgiveness, then forgive them and you've won a brother. That doesn't work. Go with two or three and. Hopefully, that'll work. If that doesn't work, take them before the whole church. Actually, one of the very early references to the church. Just in case you want to know that. And if that doesn't work, treat them like foreigners and tax collectors. Now, you've probably heard this a million times. But I'm telling you, I've never heard this. I hadn't read about it. I hadn't... Nothing... But what dropped my jaw to the ground was I suddenly thought, wait a second. How did Jesus treat foreigners and tax collectors? They were his best friends. You understand this? He was in trouble all the time because he hung out with foreigners, prostitutes, tax collectors. He hung out with the scum of the earth. Sorry, (laughs) that was a little strong. (laughs) I mean, I mean, for their own evaluation of that day, I mean, he's hanging out with the people that that the society thought were the dredges of the world. And so when he tells the story about forgiveness and he says, if they and if they don't do all of that, treat them like this. And I went, what? You mean if I go to this person by myself and they don't seek forgiveness, if I go to them with two or three and they don't seek forgiveness, and if I go to them in front of the church and they don't seek forgiveness. Are you telling me that I'm still supposed to love these people? I'm still supposed to embrace them. I'm still supposed to walk with them. I'm still supposed to say, it's okay? I forgive you anyway. I tell you what, I had a little come to Jesus meeting right there in the middle of the road. And I started walking again. But I got to tell you, I was shouting out to Jesus. I'm glad it was late and early and nobody was up yet because I'm walking down the road going, oh, God, oh, God, I I forgive. I don't want to be that unforgiving person. I I don't want to. I realized there is no justification for me not forgiving this person. And and the story says, if that person has sinned against you. And you're going to them trying to get them to say, please, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. But Jesus says it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if this person ever seeks forgiveness from you. It doesn't matter if this person ever does anything different than what you think they ought to be doing. You have to forgive. And if you don't forgive, this is me, this is me, this is coming to me. David, if you don't forgive, you are going to be eaten up inside. I came to Tuesday morning prayer group. You weren't there, sorry. I came to Tuesday morning prayer group and I got to tell you, I was lit up. Because I I just had had this moment with Jesus and said, you know what, God? I can't go anywhere but into your grace and mercy. And what I need for me, I have to give to others, even if they're not seeking forgiveness. It doesn't matter. And, And this is hard, hard teaching. It's hard for me, and I know it's hard for you. Because you know what? We have been messed with. Right? I'm I'm, I'm looking out there and I know your stories and I feel like, oh, God, don't let me put more guilt on people. And I don't want to put more guilt on people. But I know that people have messed with you. You've been sexually abused. You've been divorced. You've been adulterated on top of not you, but somebody else. People have spoken ill of you. People have done dirt to you. But I'm just telling you, the only path to blessedness goes down the path of mercy. Okay? And I'm just telling you, When I prayed that prayer at the beginning of the year that said, I want to be a man of peace, I didn't know what I was getting into. But God's mercy, His grace, is enough. And that, folks, is a daily adventure. We're going to sing. And uh, I'm going to pray a little prayer. But if, if you need to pray, um, our altars are open. There's people that will meet you out there in our center of hope, our prayer center. Because, folks, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe in a God who speaks. And, and maybe God is speaking to something in your heart right here today. But not harboring bitterness or resentment. Or unforgiveness. God can help us with that. And I, I kind of think that's just an ongoing decision that we make. God help me forgive. Help me be merciful. It's a choice. A choice. So if you would like to pray. Altars are open. Our center of hope is available to you. Or just pray where you're at. But Let me pray with us to get us started. Father, without you, we're undone. You have shown us so much mercy. Lord, I don't want to hold. I don't want to hold yuck in my gut. And so, Lord, before and if it never comes from anybody else, I still say, Lord, I forgive. Because I need it, I want it, and I'm giving it, and I don't care. And, Lord, that's what you said on the cross when you said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they crucified you. You died. And I say, Lord, even if, even if, help me, help me to forgive as you forgive. And around this room, Lord, there are people who, Lord, you're speaking to. You know their stories, you know their background, you know their histories. Lord, uh, help us to be people of mercy and forgiveness, in spite of all else. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We thank you, Jesus.